everybody, welcome to episode 110 of Literary Disco, Summer Reads 2017. Today, a short episode in which we talk about what we are reading this summer, or what we read last summer, or what we just think fits the general category of summer reads. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me, as always, are novelist and critic Todd Goldberg and essayist and radio personality Julia Pistel. Happy summer, guys. Welcome back. Hello. It's been so long it's, since we've um, seen each other. I'm experiencing in Los Angeles uh, a summer of weather similar to what you live in all the time, Todd. It's been like 100 degrees every day for the last five days, and it's been miserable. Oh, Crimey Rivers, 122 here three days ago. Are you serious? Yeah, 122. That's so gross. That's so gross. Wow. It was really hot. That's why I went to Alaska on my vacation this year, so that I could yeah. I could store up the freezing cold weather and, uh, and, and keep it in my back. But we are here to talk about books. We're not here to talk about weather. We want to know what we each are reading this summer. To get us through the long hot. Yeah, and every year we do an episode like this, and you guys always like it, so we would like to hear what you are going to read. Yes, you tell us too. I think I've missed every year that we've actually done this. You guys have done this twice without (laughs) Yes, we have. Well, you're always on vacation. Summer reads. Yeah. <laughs> right, but this is partly why I don't know how to categorize this. Are we? T- I, I still don't know what we're talking about. Are we? I mean, because mostly, what I think when people hear summer reads, don't they think sort of like genre easy reading? Like, isn't that kind of like, oh, while yeah. I'm on vacation, I want to just like read something breezy by the, well, by the beach or, or at the I beach mean, or... I believe Todd and I have discussed this in the past, but uh, now that we have you, Ryder, we can review what your idea of a summer read is. So I'm a, yeah, I, I will start um, because I'm about to go on a very long vacation. I'm going to Australia um, for almost three weeks to see my sister, and we are road tripping. So I need a lot of books. So I put on my Facebook page, like, hey, people, I need some books. Here are some books I've liked in the past in the summer. And this should give you an idea of my taste of what a summer read is. I was like, books like The Hot Zone, Helter Skelter. Uh, Those are all things I've loved. The Stand. So for me, a summer book is usually like totally gruesome. Um, And I mean, Greg is always making fun of me that if there's cannibalism involved, I will like it. (laughs) So I put out that kind of call and I mean, truly, like to me, that is like it has to be a super good read. But I like a lot of darkness in the summer or like big, fat, giant, like middle March Moby Dick. Right. Um, But I think for this this trip, I have a lot of plane time. I'm going to be on a plane for like 30 hours. So I really wanted like intense intensity. So people recommended to me a whole big stack of books that I have right here. Um, which I have not read yet, but here's what here's how people responded. Um, I have this book, Alive, which is a nonfiction account of that rugby team that crashed on a mountain in South America and ate each other. Right. Spoiler, the they ate each other. On, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I also have World War Z. Have you seen the movie? No. Oh. No, I'm ready to. You've rock. never seen the movie. It's actually, it's actually a spoiler, pretty good movie. It, it, it spoiler: Ethan Hawke lives. Yeah, it didn't do yeah. very well at the time, and it's not like great by any means. But it's it's a pretty good movie. There's some there's some cool aspects to it, though. It's it's just yeah. clearly whitewashing when like it's all like white actors 
play in all the speaking roles. Sure, <laughs> sure. Like super, super waspy people. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought this was a South American uh, so- soccer team. Okay. <laughs> anyway, go on. Uh, I also was recommended, this book is sadly way too big to bring on a plane, but there's a new book about Jim Jones and the Jonestown Massacre. So maybe I'll read that when I get back. Ooh, um, and then my friend Josh Christie, who runs a bookstore um, up in Maine, and he uh, he and I sat on a podcasting panel once. And I, I've never heard of this book, but he's, like, very excited about how much I'm going to like it. Um, recommended to me this book, The Stranger in the Woods, The Extraordinary Story of the Last True Hermit by Michael Finkel. So this is new. Oh, I just read about this guy. Um, oh, is this going to be him- – didn't we talk about that? Article? Yeah. I read that article. I thought we did an episode about about the hermit. I think we just talked about it, and I read that article, too, all about it. And it's a short book. It's like a 200-page book, right? it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, and and then I, uh, finally, um, somebody recommended to me Stephen King's Desperation, which I've never read, so I got that, too. So... Um, that's what I will be reading. Um, but I mean, for me, summer is when I read the most. Oh yeah, you're going straight horror and gruesome. I mean, I have other things, but like, let's be real. That's yeah. what I'm going to read, especially yeah, on you got the plane. It. You got to read a live um, on the plane. That's really, people on planes love it when they see other people reading books about traumatic plane crashes where their passengers eat each other. Yeah. I fucking love that. Yeah. <laughs> That is exactly my jam. Basically, if if someone's like, I'm so, I can't believe you're reading that, that's pretty much the book I want to be reading. There's a special, sharp thrill to that oh, God. for me. Uh, yeah. So how about you guys? Like, what is what do you read during the um, summer? Well, I, I sort of give myself a project every summer, or at least I try to. Uh, and last summer, I wasn't really able to do anything big because I was working on a book, and so I was just writing the entire time. This summer, I'm not writing anything. My book is done. It's coming out at the end of summer. And so I, like, I have this list of books that I want to read, and I decided that I'm going to read at least one book a week all summer long. Like That's my main goal. Um, and so I have all these nonfiction books I want to read. The, the first thing I want to read that I have to read is the Bruce Springsteen memoir, um, which I've had sitting on my bedside table since the day it came out. I've read the first 85 pages and nothing else. So I'm reading that right now, the Bruce Springsteen memoir by Bruce Springsteen. Um, But then I also have um, another great big nonfiction book I want to read called The Grim Sleeper, The Lost Women of South Central um, by Christine Pelisic, which is a book about the serial killer, the Grim Sleeper, who... um, Operated, I guess you could say, in Los Angeles for over two decades and was finally found through familial DNA um, about five or six years ago. And what familial DNA is, it's a sort of controversial thing that has only recently been allowed, is that they discovered him because his son had been arrested for a crime. And they ran his son's DNA again. They ran his DNA looking for partial matches and found the match of his son and then worked backwards and found this guy to be the killer, um, which is a a fascinating advancement in crime. Um, But this book looks at the women that this guy killed, not just the killer himself, and and goes through the lives of of each of these um, women who were largely um, prostitutes living in South Central Los Angeles. Um, So I want to read that. Um, And then I've got some some fiction I want to read by friends of mine. So like I want to read my friend Elizabeth Crane's short story collection, Turf, 
uh, which just came out. And uh, Betsy Crane has been on our show before. But she's got a great new collection of short stories. Um, and she's funny and weird and strange. And a lot of her books are sort of, or stories are sort of pop culture So I want to read her. Um, Ivy Pakoda, who we actually did a show with. Uh, you guys might remember her. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. As being our guest when we talked about Tampa. She has a new book Yeah, out? she has a book that comes out this fall called Wonder Valley, um, which takes place in Wonder Valley, which is the desert outside of where I live. It's a, a new crime novel. Um, so I'm going to read that this summer. Um, cool. I'm going to read Chris Hayes, the MSNBC host's book, A Colony in a Nation, um, which is an analysis of our criminal justice system. I got that on my list. And then I want to read uh, Eden Lepucky's new book, uh, Woman Number 17, which is a sort of L.A. noir novel about a woman living in the Hollywood Hills um, who's leaving her husband and uh, hires a nanny to help take care of her child. And the nanny um, begins to apparently uh, take on a profound profoundly strange role in her life um so i've got all these books i want to read what will probably happen is i'll just watch john wick 2 over and over and over again (laughs) wow so my that's my big project is is i'm trying to read a book a week um and i've got just a huge stack of them lined up those are the ones i'm i'm most interested in right now to start reading yeah all right how about you Ryder? what do you like to read over the summer well, I don't really sep- – I've, I've never thought about the summer as a distinct uh, reading period. So I really have only the answer that I have right now, which is, you know, what I'm reading right now. I, 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 I haven't I – think I think maybe at Christmas time I tend to want to read, like, um, something longer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, because I'm usually home or I used to be home now that I have a son. People – grandparents come to me. But I'm usually, like, sitting at home a little bit more. So I, I feel like Christmas is more my, like, long novel time. But uh, right now, I don't know. I'm going through. A, all right. Well, the 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 first answer I want to give is the two things I'm planning to read based on our listener suggestions. One is um, uh, because of our three day road episode, uh, which we discussed the Boyden um, Joseph Boyden, the First Nations mm-hmm. author who turns out to not maybe be actually First Nations. We did. We got a lot yeah. of recommendations of actual First Nations books yes, that thank you um, all. sounded really interesting, and so I I bought a couple of them, and the one. Um, one that I bought that I'm going to plan on reading soon is called Son of a Trickster by Eden Robinson. It just sounded amazing. Um, as far as I know, it's it's kind of like a sort of uh, magical realism element to it. I'm not really sure. It just sounds interesting. Look it up if you're into that. And then the other thing that I'm reading based on a listener, because we put a call out for poetry and we got a bunch of great suggestions on Facebook. And um, somebody suggested a collection called Bright Dead Things, poems by Ada Limon. And mm. it is awesome. Like, I haven't, I've been tearing through this book. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually slowing myself down and only reading a poem, like, a day because I want this book to last. I really love it. It's super easy to read. It's, like, super accessible poetry. Um, and she's she's basically, I mean, it, if there's a story in here, it's about her, um, Ada Limon, I guess, moved to Kentucky from Brooklyn. Now she lives in California, according to her author bio. But a lot of the first part of the book deals with sort of coming to terms with living in Kentucky um, and just what that means and her you know, her life change. And it's, it's just beautiful. It's a great, great poetry book. 
Um, but then in beyond uh, our listener recommendations, I've been getting very theoretical lately. I've been trying, I've been thinking, uh, like trying to read things that are like uh, big and philosophical. And I think that's partly in response to the fact mm-hmm. that I don't have a whole lot of reading time. And so rather than like, I don't know. I, I feel like at other times in my life, I have wanted to avoid things like literary theory or philosophy because they seem like uh, just too big or like not really um, as uh, sort of they, they don't they don't they don't easily translate into my life or like they don't have any sort of immediate payoff. But for now, like when I only have 15, 20 minutes at a time to sit down and read, really reading like a really dense essay like full of really complicated ideas Hmm. has become very satisfying to me um and so i picked up this book my 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 one of my best friends that i grew up with is an international economist um who studies um development in developing countries and he was reading this we went backpacking in the woods uh we we do an annual trip that's now (laughs) every five years but uh we did it again after not having done it for five years uh me and a, a group of friends and my brother that we grew up with and we go into the wilderness for five days and um he was reading this book, uh, and I picked it off of him and started reading it, and I love it. It's called Why Information Grows, The Evolution of Order mm. from Atoms to Economies by Caesar Hidalgo. I haven't had my mind blown by the first chapter of a book this like this quickly, and so I'm, I'm, I have to finish it. I've, I'm only like maybe because I you know, had to give him back his copy and then came home from the woods and ordered my copy, and um, so I've only read like the first two or three chapters. But, you know, it's this, it's this, it's information theory, which is like this whole kind of thing I had never really understood or had never encountered before. But, um, you know, the essential insight that this guy starts with is that information and meaning are two separate things. And um, it's really, he's, he's talking about how everything from biology to economics um, sort of gather, um, Oh, I'm not even going to try. Read it. Just get into it. You know, it's like basically, you know, it, I mean, the, the, like in a big, like the oversimplified is that there's an order to the universe and that our goal as a species is to try and sort of decode that order. But it's very important to recognize that when he, when he was talking about order, it's not like an intelligent design theory, which implies meaning. He's just talking about information, essentially like how we recognize how systems interact with each other uh, on the level of biology or in, you know, so, um, how stars do you, and do you need to be high to read this book <laughs> <laughs> no it's it, all right let me read you a section and just see what you think okay okay the word information became a synonym for the ethereal the unphysical the digital the weightless the immaterial but information is physical information is not tangible it is not a solid or a fluid it does not have its own particle either but it is as a physical it but it is as physical as movement and temperature which also do not have particles of their own. Information is incorporeal, but it is always physically embodied. Information is not a thing. Rather, it is the arrangement of physical things. It is physical order, like what distinguishes different shuffles of a deck of cards. What is surprising to most people, however, is that information is meaningless, even though the meaningless nature of information, much like its physicality, is often misunderstood. Mm. Yeah, you need like to be that. high. You need to be it's high. It's brilliant, and it's yeah. blowing my mind. And you know, my buddy is reading it in the terms of because it's you know in in terms of uh, an economist. Um, but I um, 
you know, I'm just reading it in sort of a bigger, like, philosophical, mind-blowing experience. And then the other thing that I've been doing lately is I've been going back to literary theory a lot, and I've been reading, um, do you guys, did you guys ever read any uh, Mikhail Bakhtin? Do you mm-hmm. know his name? No. So he's one of these, like, Russian formalists from the early 20th century, um, and, you know, a lot of his ideas have kind of went out of vogue during postmodernism. And like when I was in college, we would read, you know, I I did a lot of theory work in college. Like I took a whole lit theory class and then film, I took two different film theory classes. I just loved going like big on these subjects. And uh, Bakhtin was sort of where you started with a lot of literary theory because he has like some pretty basic, cool, formal ideas. And then we would spend more of our semester, more of our time, you know, diving into Derrida and all these like post-structuralists and like, all that shit that now like doesn't seem as meaningful to me. And mm-hmm. Bakhtin is this theorist who's really, I keep going back to his ideas. So the, 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 the most famous of his essays is called Rabelais and his world. And it's, he studies, he spends this essay discussing this French, um, uh, 17th century French writer named Rabelais. And I'm probably mangling that pronunciation, but you get the point. Um, but what he talks about is the, the carnival and the act, the, the site of the carnival and what that means in culture and in literature. And Bakhtin develops this whole theory as like the carnival is a site where, you know, the, the, the king and the jester were equal and mm-hmm. you subvert hierarchies. And uh, it's just, it's this incredibly resonant theory of um, humor mostly and the power of humor and um, there was a recent essay that I'll link to on our on our Facebook page where somebody brought up Bakhtin in terms of our contemporary moment and how uh, we're sort of living in this weird space where the dynamic that he describes has been reversed, where like now our late night comedians are our most like serious people, right. who yeah. are the ones sort yeah. of. Whereas like our president is a is like embracing the carnivalesque and embracing mm. sort of a subversion of uh, traditional hierarchies. So that it was a great essay, <laughs> but I was already sort of diving back. But then this other thing that Bakhtin spends a lot of time about. Um, talking about in his book called The Discourses of the Novel, or The Discourse of the Novel, is this term heteroglossia, which is so helpful to writers out there, um, and it's always influenced my writing, and um, so I'm going back, and I want to reread this this book, because he... Um, it's the idea that there are different languages within any given language, so you have, like, language of the courts, language of scientists, language of comedians, and that the that the writer's job is to combine these languages and to weave in and out of them, sometimes within one sentence, but certainly within a chapter, within a paragraph, and to achieve what he calls heteroglossia. It's an awesome concept, and when you start getting into it, it, it'll, it'll blow your mind. Um, so for anybody who wants to like dive deep in literary theory, like I would say look up Bakhtin. You know, even if it's just a Wikipedia search, you'll get some really cool ideas. Um, and then, yeah, Caesar Hidalgo, why information grows. If you, yeah, maybe just get high, like Todd says, and read it. But. And I, wow. I just, I just looked in discourse of the novel. Um, a lot, it's free online. Um, oh, cool. great! Yeah, great. And there's wow. also a version where someone has already marked it up uh, with questions on on the sides. So I'm looking because what you're saying is blowing my mind. Uh, oh, but, you'll love it, Todd. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, heteroglossia. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you've, you've. I know you've taught versions of this, right. like, you know, because it's a basic, it's like a really cool way of thinking about how we, 
how we use different voices when we're writing. Um, but it's also very helpful to just as a reader to be able to separate the different voices that that an author is able to tap into. He spends a lot of time on Dickens, um, mm. which you also yeah. really like yeah. Dickens. A master, so. a master. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. I'm looking forward wow. to it. Wow, I'm, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna add that to my reading list now. You you yeah, added to sure. my reading list. Well, my friends, I have to go on vacation right now. Okay, all right. Have uh, a safe trip to Australia. Look thank out you for, so uh, much. Look out for silver chair and midnight oil. And I know I'm going to tear through all of these books that I just mentioned. So I, I love the idea that Ryder said of using summertime to delve into some reader recommendations. So please do tell us what to read. Yes. And if you uh, if you tweet us your summer reading, we'll, we, we will retweet it out there into the world as well. So let us know and we'll, we'll fill the world with great literature this summertime.